Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. The Jewish power structure, consisting of almost numberless, lavishly funded organizations and its complex, multiform, and centuries-long strategies, can be most easily understood if you view them all as motivated by a single, simple value system. Whatever tends to bring more white children into the world is evil. And whatever tends to prevent white children from coming into the world is good. One could make it even simpler and say that the Jews want to kill our race, which they do. But direct open murder is usually not their way except when, as in the early Soviet Union, they have a total stranglehold on power, which they are working to achieve here. They know us psychologically. They know that European man can and will respond forcefully to an assailant holding a bloody sword in hand, ready to strike. They use exactly that psychology and provide us with plenty of assailants holding swords and screaming Allahu Akbar to push us into wars with Islam, thereby making us into willing fighters against the Jews' own enemies. But no, Jews eschew the swords and use much safer methods of killing us instead. One of those methods is the intensive promotion of all things which tend to reduce white numbers and the white birth rate. Jewish operatives have been at the forefront and manning the bureaucracy in all the major efforts to control or reduce the population of this continent and this planet. Now, Controlling the frightening and accelerating increase of human numbers is a good and necessary thing. But as with almost everything else they touch, Jews have taken a laudable enterprise and converted it into a deadly weapon which they are using against us. In my work in broadcasting, I once came face to face with a Jewish antenatal activist who worked for Planned Parenthood. The year was 1978. I quote from my Asylum America series. As she prated nasally on about feminism and the terrible oppression of women in the bad old America, about the evils of early marriage and pregnancy, about how we must become more open to homosexuality and other alternative sexualities. And as she became more and more passionate in response to my questions, I began to realize something. I began to realize that this woman or creature was motivated, deep down motivated, by a seething, boiling hatred of normal, healthy sexuality. I had a eureka moment, though I kept it to myself. Ms. Chosen, I saw with sudden clarity, hated everything about the traditional white family 
and traditional sexual roles. And I sensed her real though unstated problem. She truly hated the fact that healthy young white American women liked white men and wanted to have their babies. Basically, it was as simple and as terrifying as that. Using their control of media, government, and the academy, Jews have taught entire generations of young whites that cheap sex with universal contraception should be the norm, and that there are few things more tragic than early marriage and unplanned pregnancies. They have promoted alternate sexualities, from homosexuality to mutilating your body and thereby permanently sterilizing yourself to match an implanted delusion that you are a member of the opposite sex, to the mass production and consumption of pornography, and a thousand other perversions of the natural sex drive among our young people. And all of these perversions result in white children not being born. A chart of the total fertility rate by country, visible at nationalvanguard.org slash fertility, shows how dire the situation is for whites. Every single country on earth with significantly above replacement fertility is a non-white country. Every single one. The top 50 out of some 200 is totally dominated by black Africa. The bottom 50 countries with fertility rates dramatically below replacement, countries whose peoples are on a trajectory to extinction, consists almost entirely of white nations. And it's really much worse for whites than those figures indicate, because the people with the highest birth rates in these formerly all-white countries are non-white immigrants. This means that the real fertility rates for whites are much lower than these already disastrous figures. Our race is literally imploding. And yet, and yet, the world is indeed overpopulated. It took all of human history until the year 1800 to reach a population of one billion. It only took from 1999 to 2011 to add our latest billion, the seventh, and we are now well on our way to our eighth. The white world is losing numbers. But that's having almost zero effect on human increase due to the terrible fecundity of the third world accelerated by Western aid. The graph of human numbers is rising almost straight up now. And something's got to give. 
Look again at the graph I posted as the main illustration in the text version of this broadcast. As Thomas Malthus warned us 200 years ago, the exponential rise in population must always outstrip the merely arithmetical increase or lack of increase in food production. Therefore, there will inevitably be a point reached where the human population must crash, a point at which a large proportion of people will die. As the philosopher William Gailey Simpson put it in Which Way Western Man, quote, there is and must be a limit to the amount of food that the earth can produce, and therefore there is and must be a limit to the number of people the earth can support. And if that limit is passed, some people, maybe a vast lot of people, perhaps even millions of people, must die. But this raises a question of absolutely prime importance. Who is going to do the dying? Close quote. It is obvious who the largely Jewish oligarchs have decided is going to do the dying, as they have already instituted and put into effect an in-depth plan for the genocide and disappearance of our race, the white race, from planet Earth. They have laid the groundwork for this genocide for the better part of a century, including a long-term, multi-generational propaganda effort focused on inducing us to accept and even aid in our own demise. Even well in advance of the great die-off, we are dying off. It is true that some scientists have underestimated European man's ability to increase food production using modern technology, and have jumped the gun and said that the great die-off was due to come in 1975 or 2000, and obviously that has not yet happened. But that should not give us, as it has the ostrich-like conservatives, an infinite faith in technology's abilities to outrun exponential population increase forever. An error of a century is nothing in the long term, and we have already reached the point of a topsoil and a food supply and an environment severely diminished in quality as we strive to feed all the hungry and increasingly useless mouths that we have so recklessly allowed to become dependent on us. Think of it this way. Yes, by enthusiastically raping the earth even more than in the past, by using ever more chemical fertilizers and food additives, by using only the most productive genetically modified strains of food crops, by cutting down more and more of our shrinking forests and replacing them with animal feedlots, slaughterhouses, and monoculture crops, we might be able to add another 25%, or maybe even 50%, or at an extreme stretch, perhaps another 100% to the food supply. But what good would that do in the long run? 
Look at the vertical rise in human population again on that graph. A 50 or 100 or even 200% increase in food production is nothing in comparison. There is no way that even the most brilliant science and technology of the most brilliant Aryans can sustain an exponential increase in food production even for a decade to say nothing of indefinitely. The great die-off will come with all the more force if it comes after we have squandered even more of the limited resources of the earth feeding those who are or soon will be our enemies in a desperate struggle for survival. We use far too many resources, often for no reason other than short-term profit or pleasure, depleting them far more quickly than they can ever be replenished. Food, wood and other housing materials, water, medicinal plants, topsoil, animals, ocean resources, etc. We now eat cheap, processed food, full of refined sugar and harmful additives, because we are trying to feed the ever-burgeoning billions of our racial competitors and enemies, and because food of good quality is too expensive to farm under current conditions. Though our relatively poor great-grandparents had no problem doing so, in addition to topsoil depletion and soil erosion issues. We load our food with chemical fertilizers and poisons so we have enough to feed everyone, and we know what everyone means. Our aquifers are being depleted drastically. Pure, clean water is quickly diminishing. Only the economic elite can afford the good stuff now. And for what have we done all this? For no reason that benefits us as a people or ensures a good future for our children, that is for sure. Human populations are going to be reduced. Those races which intend to survive and the men and women of the National Alliance intend to survive must understand that if we chance a serious reduction in our population, we must preferably, well before that happens, practice eugenics in order to avoid losing the raw brain power upon which our survival and advancement totally depend. We must also preserve social order and recorded knowledge as numbers fall or all is lost. Without leadership and social order, no policy of any kind can be implemented. We must above all ensure that we have the power and the will to retain or take the territory we need to obtain the necessities of life. We must obtain these resources, even if that means we must thereby deny them to others. Nations and races which cannot face that simple truth are not fit to survive and will not survive. 
The writer David Sims describes the world that is coming. When zooming populations and the exhaustion of our planet's resources intersect. It will not only be a time for the death of billions of human beings. It will also be a time for the death of illusions. Quote, When fossil fuels are depleted, as eventually they must be, the illusion will be dispelled. The lumberjack will again know himself stronger than the owner of the bulldozer. The engineer will again know that he is smarter than the corporate manager who once bossed him. And the banker will understand at long last that he is worthless. When fossil fuels are depleted, nature will present mankind with the bill for his accumulation of genetic defects, which temporarily had been put on the credit card of technology. And many hereditary lines will suddenly discover that they are not really fit to live in this world." Close quote. We were given a world rich in energy and a genetic inheritance that as recently as 100 years ago made us the absolute masters of the earth. What did we do with that precious energy, with that unparalleled opportunity. We could have made ourselves masters of other worlds beyond this one and ensured our survival even if the earth is destroyed, as one day it must be. We could have improved our genetic inheritance and abilities potentially infinitely. Instead, we adopted one of the worst possible kinds of government mass capitalistic democracy and squandered our precious time and energy providing amusements and nourishment to morons, buying the votes of the empty-headed, catering to manipulative Jews who hate us, murdering the best of our own kin, both in wars and in the womb, and devastating our environment in order to make welfare payments and interest payments to parasites. Mr. Sims continues, quote, Industrial civilization will finish, and it will have been a singular pulse in the history of earthly life. Humans might become extinct. If humans continue to exist, their culture will be that of a stone age impoverished by the way their near ancestors, while adjusting to reduced circumstances, depleted the fertility of farm soils and hunted to extinction nearly all edible species of plant and animal. Star Trek is the future that might have happened if the hominid population had been limited to its best representatives. That is, if all the others had been culled out of the breeding stock, and if the political objectives of their leaders had been the right ones. Instead of material gain and individual happiness, the objectives should have been racial betterment and greatness. We blew it. 
and there is no second chance. The political mess cannot be straightened out before the accessible remainder of the Earth's fossil fuel deposits has been used up. In my opinion, the outcome of the Second World War cost the life of the Earth. In whatever form it might have taken, perhaps at least 99% of its potential run through this universe. We've had sentimental political philosophies that attributed equal moral worth to all humans. And as the result, we are now infested with criminals, bums, perverts, and retards in proportions seldom matched in history, if ever. And all of it, even the sentimental political philosophies, has been empowered by exosomatic energy resources, chiefly fossil fuels. When the fossil fuels are depleted, most people will not be fit to resume life under the normal rigors of natural selection. Even if they were, there are just too many of them for all to survive. So there will be lots of death in the coming century, which could have been avoided if humans had taken the right fork in the road instead of the wrong fork in the road back in 1945. Close quote. Is there still a chance? Only a slim one, Mr. Sims says. William Pierce, the founder of the National Alliance, also believed there was a chance if radical changes in our society are implemented soon enough. He envisioned a much lower population density in a future all-white North America. Quote, Instead of a North America with a rapidly growing population of 300 million featherless bipeds of every known ethnicity, I have a vision of a continent with a stable population of 50 million European Americans, saner, healthier, stronger, better-looking and more intelligent European-Americans than is the norm for most parts of the continent today, and no non-whites at all. And I have a vision of these 50 million white North Americans living and working in a land of regrown forests and unpolluted rivers and lakes and clean air, a land without litter along its roads and pathways, and with bears and wolves and mountain lions and eagles returned to their natural habitats and forming once again a natural part of our environment. And in my vision, a substantial part of these regrown forests and unpolluted rivers and lakes are in the public domain. In fact, a continuous public domain stretching from coast to coast between and around private holdings. And I envision no cities, certainly none of the sprawling, noisy, congested asphalt and concrete monstrosities surrounded by smoke-belching factories, clogged freeways, and honky-tonk strips with which we are all too familiar today. Towns with populations 
of no more than 10,000 should be adequate. Close quote. This is more than a bright dream. This is our new vision of life on earth. Only with such a white society, race conscious and always evolving upward, can we reach our destiny in the stars. We can save our people from destruction if we act now. We can bring about an age of greatness and nobility beyond anything ever known or even imagined if we work together to make our vision a reality. But our time is very, very short. If you share our vision, join the National Alliance today.